This is the Ignition Show, an after show edition. Hello everyone, welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pull it apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner Sarah and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side-by-side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode, so please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet, and let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. So my conversation with Satema was one I felt like I could have gone on for hours. I got that from from listening to it. You know, his uh, similar to what we talked about last week with Gene or last time with Gene. Um, loved his energy out of the gate. Obviously, he's very clear on who he is and what he stands for, and he's so so grounded. It helps that he's a football player and and you played football in university. So <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I get to talk, talk to a lot of football players, and I'm like, nah, this current conversation's done now. That's true. <laughs> That's true. No, it, it is a total total credit to who he is and. I, I was really intrigued out of the gate or the, the thing that really um, uh, grabbed me out of the gate when I was when I asked them about what where'd you get your hunger from? Where'd you get your drive from? Your desire to live a full life? And, you know, he said a couple of really interesting points he, he, that he saw. He saw other people living a different life and he wanted that. And it made me think back to an earlier episode where we talked about the curse of comparison, where we so much so many people, so many times we fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to others. And in that process, we end up looking for evidence as to why, oh, to justify why they are so successful. They probably didn't have to work for it because they were born to a silver spoon or whatever the reason and is. And to give yourself excuses or permission to not be successful. Exactly. To give reasons why, evidence why it's not going to work out for you. Right. But the other way to look at it is to look for inspiration. And he clearly did that. And he's clearly been on a phen- phenomenal path um, in building, building his legacy. The second thing With is that- some bumps along the way. Sure. But- <laughs> More than bumps, yeah. But which makes it even more impressive is that he's never given up that vision yes. and that the clarity of that vision that he's going to be successful. He's been inspired by these people. And despite financial ruin twice, he's still in that pursuit. Yeah. And, and his other point about the there's a calling in my heart. You know, I think, again, for some people, I, I, for some people, they, they, again, think that might be something for other people. They don't have it themselves. But, you know... My my experience plays out time and time again is that when you really get people to dive in, what truly is their sense of sense of purpose, sense of meaning, sense of why they're here, um, there's always examples, hints, and clues from their past that hint that hint to uh, what is a path that could be very very meaningful, very very fulfilling for them, and you know, good on him for discovering that quite early. Um, and uh, the other the point that he mentioned as well, it just makes him happy. It makes him happy to strive and achieve and make a difference and and uh you know that was a good reminder to me as well because as we've been trying to build our thing and you know the days are long and they the the uh the outcomes are uncertain at times sometimes I step back uh, step back and say yeah this is this is what we asked for 
sometimes I have to remind myself, no, I, I enjoy this. This is, exactly. this is what I wanted. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I think those, those are three great points that uh, are, were really good grounding for really understanding Satema and what has shaped him. So talk to me about your, because yeah, I saw a few parallels between your lives. And he said that in his teenage years, he saw people that, you know, inspired him. He, he wanted more. He realized he wanted more from his, for his life. But he also grew up um, financially poor. He said there was lots of love, but little money or little resources, little resources, um, which I guess I, I took as little money. And, but you had a similar um, awakening, maybe not awakening, but some epiphany in your teenage years that you wanted more, you wanted to reach your potential. And, and that was kind of a quest of your life was to reach your potential. But you, you didn't grow up poor, right? And that's oftentimes something I, I find really interesting is that when I look at people who have like um, been really successful and there's an there's a innate drive in them, Oftentimes when you link it back to their childhood, it's, it's linked to, they grew up poor, they grew up abused, they grew up, like there's something or, that they were overcoming. Or somebody told them you're never going to amount to anything. Completely. And, that was and it's almost life. like a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I know your family. I know your, your upbringing. You had none of that. You grew up in, um, a financially stable home. You know, I, I don't think very it was middle class, very, very middle class. Yeah. But emotionally stable as well. Like your parents, yeah. you could have taken them out of the 1950s. Like, you know, super down to earth, went to church every Sunday, loving parents, um, very family oriented. They were De- always there for the kids. Dedicated to the family, yeah. Dedicated. Like if there was one thing um, besides being dedicated to the church and their and their their spiritual practice, they were above all else dedicated to their family. And yet you had the same, the same like yearning inside of you at 17. So talk to me, like, where did that come from? Well, you know, it's interesting as you're, as you're saying that I'm thinking there really was, I, I kind of look at it as a slingshot. It's, it's and similar to your point. A lot of successful people who've come from less or were told they are less use, can use that as a slingshot to say, I'm going to prove, prove it wrong, prove it differently. Right. And I think for me, it was, it was more of, uh, um, you know, back to Satema's point that he saw others living a different life and said, I want that too. I look back and my version of that would say, I looked at other people who are living a different life and thought, oh, it's for other people from other places. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no one, there was no kind of famous athlete from my hometown. There was, I didn't know any kind of, you know, top occupations at the time, right? In the 70s and 80s was doctors, lawyers, business people. Like I didn't know anyone like that. My dad was a teacher. Mom was a nurse. And um, so I I recognized that 14, 15, 16, when I was kind of having these thoughts, it'd be like, oh, I guess I'm just this kid from a mid-sized town and maybe I'll just get a good job kind of a thing. And like, you know, as a kid doesn't, you know, have a full perspective. But then I started, I kind of looked around and I recognized that, you know, I was getting feedback. You know, I was getting feedback in terms of academically. I was top of the class. Athletically, I was winning awards, captain of teams. And I thought it was a simple, it was a simple thought that came to me that, well, if I'm, you know, quote unquote, above average, even, even like if you talk about the language of academics, right? You get average grades, or above average grades. 
I'm above average at 17. Why couldn't I be above average at 24? Why couldn't I be above average at 34? Why not at 47? Why not at 57? And so it was literally that kind of a thought pattern. And it was just like, maybe I can become something. After years of telling myself, I guess it's not possible because mm-hmm. I'm come, I come from this home in this city and I don't know anything else. And that was my slingshot. And it was that it was a, a literal moment of of um, of a distinction that maybe I can become something. Therefore, I have a duty to see how far I can go. And for me, football was the was a was a, a conscious choice. I was I was I was I, like most kids played a lot of different sports, and I literally went through sport by sport. Which sport do I have the best chance of becoming a professional athlete in? I and don't I doubled know down, how many kids. I doubled down on football and I went to camps and I started training and I borrowed balls from the high school coach during the summer and I had a bag of balls. I would go down to school all by myself and throw the throw the football. I played quarterback. Throw the football all by myself to nobody. Um, and then scoop up all the balls and go back to the middle of the field and throw balls again. And and uh, it was a pursuit. And I was able, you know, very grateful put me on a path and won a few national championships in the amateur realm and and went as far as I could. And I was very proud of that. I don't know how many kids are that strategic as, you know, of all these sports that I play and do well in, which of them could I be successful in? Yeah. I thought like I thought I thought basketball, nah. I'm a little too. You're only six two. I'm a, I'm, I'm a white man can't <laughs> jump, right? That's what that's what I had. Uh, hockey, no, was a little maybe late late bloomer in that, but uh, in softball, there's nothing there. But football, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So that was my that was my slingshot, and um, so yeah, I did I didn't really connect with Satem on on what what spoke to him, and similarly when we talked about books that have changed his life. Yeah, that was, and it made me think. I, I'm curious for you, Sarah. What what books what books have changed your life? Well, I can tell you the very first book that I picked up in the quote unquote um, self development realm, and it was by is it T Harvecker? Yes. I, I always forget if it's Harv T Ecker. T Harvecker. T Harvecker. Yeah. Millionaire it, Mindset. Secrets to a Millionaire Mind. Yep. And it was in his. It must have been one of his early days because at the back of the book, you got two free tickets to an upcoming seminar. And I went online and um, he had a seminar happening in Montreal, a, you know, a month away from when I bought the book or when I read the book. And I went and I did the seminar. I did the arrow into the throat, you know, like you break the arrow before it pierces your throat. And I, I did it. And that was, that was a huge revelation to me. That was my very first exposure to. What, and what was the revelation? Well, it's funny because I picked it up, I'm sure as most people do, I was, I wanted to be a millionaire. I think I was, um, I was 24 and I had just graduated from university and I wanted to be a millionaire and I read the book and it was, it was a revelation that it was more about mindset Mm. than the, than the pursuit of millions per se. Like it was more about mindset than anything else. Yes. And that was a big revelation. Yes. Um, so that started me on on a path um the other book that um that i read when i was around 24 was atlas shrugged by ayn rand Uh, and that's kind of a a divisive book some people love it some people hated it um i loved it because it was it was the realization that i couldn't depend on others like i needed to pave my own way i needed to forge my own path instead of relying on 
government or, you know, government handouts or government guidance. And, and for me, I had always, I had, you know, similar to you, I got good grades and I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before I got good grades and I kind of did the path that I thought you're supposed to do. You go to high school, then you go to university, then you get a job and it's a really good job and you're working for someone and you're going to retire with that same company that you, you get hired with out of, out of university. And it kind of snapped me into the reality that no, it's, I'm not following a path. I'm creating my own. Um, and I've read the book a couple times and I've read other books by the same author, but it's, it's all about, um, pursuing your potential, um, and creating your own destiny Mm. essentially, and not, not depending on others or waiting for others to create it for you. Mm. So it's, it's in some ways it's about the individual instead of the collective. But for me, it was about creating your own potential and, and living that potential that's, that's inside you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those those were the big ones that that really shaped me, and yeah, it's interesting. They since then I've I've read many of the others, many that uh, Satema had mentioned. You know, Think and Grow Rich and uh, Rich Man Poor or Rich Dad Poor Dad. I read in my twenties, and that completely changed my my understanding of finances because, like you, I grew up in a family. Um, kind of upper middle class, but it was, my dad was a doctor. My mom was a nurse. Um, but there were no examples of business people. Mm. You know, the only examples of business people I had were the storefront shopkeepers. I didn't know people who were quote unquote entrepreneurs and creating their own path. At least I didn't realize I did. Uh, so yeah, just the, um, the rich dad, poor dad thing gave me insight into, oh, maybe there's something besides the profession or the employee that you can do something by owning your own business. Yeah. The one that the book that comes to my mind is, um, and I can see it right here behind me. Uh, it's a, it's, it wouldn't be a, probably a bestseller by Robert, Robert Fulgham called, uh, Oh, and, uh, uh, he's just a bunch of short stories and he's just this warm, gentle soul of a man. Uh, I think he was a retired, retired, teacher or retired minister but just a loving grandfather just like stories of life like mm. just these gentle stories of reflections on life kind of thing but the, it's a bunch of little short short snippets of his life and he's just this playful man and uh you know he talks about having breakfast with his grandson and getting totally with his grandson into the like multicolored fruit loops and just like being a kid right being very youthful but the one story that stood up for me in that is he tells a story of he had bought this on a travel somewhere he bought this like um, very high-end cigar and he'd been saving it for years. And I believe it might've been on his retirement day. He said that's the day he was going to, decided he was going to smoke it, right? And he'd been saving this for like multiple, multiple years. He bought on some trip somewhere. And it was a beautiful sunny day. He lived somewhere on the West Coast and um, he started smoking it and he went to his favorite coffee shop. And as, on his walk, he was I don't know, his favorite coffee shop. And he was just savoring it and he put it on the outside because you weren't allowed to smoke inside. Right. He put it on the window ledge outside. He went in, grabbed his coffee, came back out and the cigar was gone. And he saw these three other men walking down the street with his cigar. And at first he started going out, like chasing after them. But then he started seeing the joy that these men were taking in the cigar and they were passing it around. And his, the lesson that he got out of that was appreciating and honoring other people's joy, happiness, and success. Hmm. 
And coming back to what I shared early on this was when I started looking at other people and saying, well, they're successful. I can't be like them because I don't know how to do that or whatever. That really did. And as a teenager, again, that, that changed my perspective that I, li- I, I actively started being happy for other people's success rather than being resentful, rather than being judgmental, rather than being saying, oh, it's good for them, but why can't I? Like none of that. And that's really stuck with me ever since that taking joy in other people's happiness and success because it breeds your own happiness and success. If you're taking joy in anything, you're feeling joy. Why, why not do that rather than, than resentment? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That was a, that was a book of obviously there's many, many others. Um, what else stood out from you from this conversation with, with Satema? Well, it was interesting how you used different language, but talked about the same thing in terms of he's um, very spiritual. You, you can tell listening to him that um, he has a deep spiritual practice and that keeps him aligned. And your word that you use frequently is, you know, in the work that you do and, and in our daily life is alignment. So it's um, the alignment of, of our actions to our, to our purpose and what we've set out to do. But it's interesting how we, we use different words, but the meaning is there and mm. it, it really is believing in something higher than yourself and having a vision for where, where you want to go. And as he said, you know, having the, the thing that, that makes people successful and keeps them successful. And I thought was, was insightful. It comes down to two things. It's having real clarity on the vision for your life or vision for your, for your path and having absolute commitment to that clear vision. Yeah, and even even a, um, I think a subtle distinction in there is not just a vision of of your life and where you're going, but it's a vision of who you are. Yes, you really know who you are, and who you are, and who you want to be. Yeah, exactly. Or become exactly, and um, you know it goes back to what came up in the Gene McNaughton conversation when he's been behind the scenes with all these major, famous celebrity, very successful people on the world stage, from Richard Branson to. Uh, the sharks of Shark Tank. Uh, and he gets to see them behind the scenes. And the number one thing he said was 99.9% of them are the same on stage as they are behind, meaning they are very much living in alignment. Right. And there's that there's, whether you're a- There's integrity there. There's integrity, whether you're a hard-driven, passionate entrepreneur like Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank, who's got a massive ego about himself. But if that's who he is, he that's who he is. And that's made him successful. Or if you're a really heart-driven entrepreneur- who really knows what they're all about, that's what makes them successful. Because people are drawn to authenticity. People are drawn to the real the real you. And I think it's more and more so in the last 10, 15 years, probably the last, last 15 years since, literally, I think since like, since YouTube came on and people could see normal people in regular places and, and relate to them. You look at the viral videos. How many viral videos are of celebrities doing celebrity things? Yeah, It's maybe celebrities doing things, but they're at home in their kitchen, in their PJs. Or it's regular people doing regu- regular things that are funny or awesome in some way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I thought his points were, were very, very accurate. Um, knowing who you are, who you want to be, and where you want to go. And then this, uh, this idea that commitment alters everything. Mm, that when you're I like really, his really definition committed. of commitment too. Yeah. Um, it was do what's required, not just doing your best, which is a really great distinction. It's like yeah. kids do their best. You ask your your five-year-old to do your be- do their best. But as an adult, when you're committed, you do what's required. And to, again, back to integrity, do what you said you were going to do. And the third was act, dis- and I love this, mm-hmm. act decisively despite your emotions, fears, moods, or distractions. Yes. 
And we see this a lot. I mean, we have a, you know, we, we coach people on, um, on their mindset and moving past things, which, you know, but a lot of that is just being decisive despite everything going on, despite all the external distractions and, and despite all the fear and doubt and uncertainty, which is absolutely relevant today, but to act decisively despite that is, is incredibly powerful. It's one of my favorite little, I don't know if it's a meme necessarily, but it's a little poster that I often send to my clients that I, you know, you see online, but the statement is that commitment means staying true, staying true to what you said you were going to do long after, long after the mood you set it in has left. I like that. You know, in that moment when you say, yeah, I'm going to do this thing and you're totally committed. And then next morning rolls around, next you're tired around and you're like, no commitment means staying true to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you were in has left. And I think that's really powerful. And I think it's the reason why someone like Satema, you know, was able to reach the pinnacle in, in sport, reach the pinnacle in his own business. And, you know, he got wiped out with the financial crisis in 2008, but he's building it back up and he has never wavered from who he is. He had to maybe reinvent some things, get a new perspective, expand his horizons, but he's very, very clear going right back to his very beginning. It makes him happy. There's a calling in his heart and he, he was inspired by people who are living a different life. And now he's, he's passing that, passing that on. Was there anything, I know we're reaching kind of our, the, you know, the limit of our time for this after show, but was there anything else that stood out for you in this interview? I think the other thing, you kind of reference it lightly at the end, but I think it's just a great reminder to go with everything we just said is, is, that, um, is that you've always got to be clear on your outcome. You know, he, taught, he brought, up, brought it up in the context of, of really having honest conversations with someone, like calling it tight, speaking the truth. And you got to be clear on your outcome. And I also love what he said about but one of his outcomes is to have powerful experiences with people mm. or powerful yeah, powerful experiences with people. And you can have a very powerful experience, especially as a coach, if you're calling it tight. As long as you're clear on what the outcome is, trying to help someone, serve them, do it you know, with rapport, with compassion, with respect, whatever it might be. Um, but clarity, clarity is power and clarity on your outcome. Um, it's probably one of the biggest things that I got hammered home through all the time I've, I've been around and been in the environment of Tony Robbins, but he is big on that. You got to know your outcome. And I think that's uh, something that so many people forget when they're trying to navigate their way forward. They get caught up in the tactics and they forget the real outcome that they're looking for. And that can mean a lot of work, a lot of energy that could have been spent in a much more effective way. So we'll wrap it up. I would love to hear from the listeners. I love to hear from all of our listeners anytime about anything. But on this episode, I would love to hear what you what your takeaways were. I would... I would love to hear what books have have inspired people, have set them on a new or different trajectory of their life. I'm, you know, whether I've read them before, I love hearing which ones have have worked for others. And if I haven't heard of them, I'll, I'll I'm most likely going to go to to Amazon and order it, and I'll I'll read it myself um, because I'm often reading two or three books at a time. So tell us. What books have changed your life? I would also love to hear from other people. What what has inspired them and what keeps them motivated to living their purpose and to living their potential? I I love hearing people's stories of what, what switched for them when they realized that there was more inside them to give. 
Um, I'd love to hear your stories. And the best way to tell us is either through our Facebook group, which is The Ignition Show, or you can go to theignitionshow.com forward slash connect. Send us a, a quick voice memo. There's, there's a button there where you can speak directly to us. We listen to everything that we get and we, we love hearing it and we respond to as many people as we can. So we'd love to hear from you. And until next time. Until next time. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com connect. That's theignitionshow.com connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.